0: I've been told many, many times before that uh, depreciation expense and taxes are the least sexiest components of, <laughs> of real estate, and I, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'm going to hear that for another
1: twenty years. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Invest in the West, where we talk about investing strategies and real estate related topics in the western part of the United States today. Matt Williams, my co-host, and I, Nicholas Cook, will be talking to Jonathan Frizzell, who has over 17 years of real estate experience and is the Senior Director of Cost Segregation at CBRE. Today, Jonathan is going to go over the benefits of cost segregation and how we as investors can maximize our return on any investment property. Nice having you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background um, and how you got involved in kind of this segment of the business uh, you bet I've been in the industry. It'll be uh, as 12 and a half years 13
0: years to September uh, I started in September of 06. Uh, I was involved in wholesale lending on the residential side up until up to five units And I had a childhood friend that brought up this in, uh, industry up to me uh, back in the late summer early fall of '06. And I did my uh, due diligence discovery on the cost of and I started, literally started in September of 06.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So... For the audience who doesn't know, can you give us maybe an overview of like what cost segregation is and why our audience should get excited about it? Uh, absolutely.
0: Cost segregation is nothing more than a reclassification of assets into their proper uh, IRS-allowed lives. And that means we're accelerating the depreciation. So basically, multifamily and single-family are 27 and a half year, commercials in 39-year. We're going to break it up into hundreds of pieces into smaller depreciable lives. Therefore, you can accelerate your depreciation, therefore that 's where your federal and state income tax dollars
1: come in so I know a lot of times when you start talking about taxes and tax code and depreciation people 's eyes tend to gloss over what what is the value to investors in knowing more about cost segregation this concept
0: well, great question uh, it's all time value of money the dollar today is always going to be worth more today than it ever will be tomorrow, and why not have your um, why, not, why don't you have your deductions up on the front end as opposed to waiting 27.5 years or 39 years, basically? And the, the good news is we can get a lot of the uh, we can get a lot of the product type depending on the product type. We can get a lot of it into five, seven-year depreciable lives and 15-year. Therefore, that goes against one's rent roll, and that's how they reduce their federal and state in, uh, income tax burden.
1: Okay, so it sounds like there's some speeding up of the process. There's depreciation that. People can capture, and you're maybe moving it around uh, on the return so that they can take advantage of it sooner. Is that? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, and you're not really increasing the
0: depreciation; you're just accelerating it. But it does do. But you do increase your cash flow uh,
1: certainly in the first few years of service. Okay, and I mean, what made this kind of possible? I mean, has there been some changes in regulation? Is this kind of a new thing? Has it been around for a while? Well, it's funny. It's a distant cousin of component depreciation. Uh,
0: Tip O'Neill and Reagan uh, did a Tax Reform Act in 86 and that turned our whole world upside down, late 80s. So it's a distant cousin, but this is more engineered base, engineered function. But the truth of the matter is it's been around, uh, well, it's been around since the 50s and 60s historically, but the actual term of cost of irrigation has been around since the late 80s. And again, it's been part of the, uh, the code, the IRS code since officially in 2004.
2: Jonathan, thanks a lot for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Good to good to have you here. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, the difference between accelerated depreciation and general depreciation. Again, to, to Nick's point, um, this is the last thing that any investor wants to talk about. They'd, they'd rather be painting and dealing with a tenant than going through the taxes and the numbers and segregating the the, the different um, asset base. So, tell us a little bit about the differences there and and. Uh, uh, maybe give us a couple examples of, that, of the differences there.
0: Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I've been told many, many times before that uh, depreciation expense and taxes are the least sexiest components of, <laughs> of real estate. And I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'm going to hear that for another 20 years. So uh, bottom line is, it we'll would take some round numbers because it's all relative and percentages in nature. But if you take a million-dollar piece of property, uh, on commercial, it's going to be, uh, by federal law, it has to be, Depreciated straight line over 39 year and then of course, all other properties, multifamily and single family, are on a 27 and a half year. Well, the straight line depreciation is 127th and a half or 139 of that million dollars. Well, if you have a, a cost segregation study performed and want to make sure it's a, an engineered base study. We can get a lot of that into five and seven year, which is the personal side, and I don't want to bore you with section codes. That's 1245 personal, and then we certainly will go after the land improvements, which is 15 year, and then whatever is remaining, we'll, we'll keep in the bucket of 27 and a half or 39 year. So you're accelerating that depreciation, and I certainly don't want to get ahead of myself, but the beauty about the tax reform now act is that you've got for qualified real estate professionals, active investors, you've got 100% bonus opportunities, which we'll, confident we'll talk about later.
2: Yeah, and, and that's actually the, the next point, you know, because some of the largest changes really have been in that er- area around uh, bonus depreciation. And I, I wanna know a little bit more about that and how it works.
0: Uh, great question. Uh, bonus is defined as of 9-11, 2001, with Young Bush in Congress, When all hell broke loose in New York, they wanted some way to restart the economy. And they started, and that was the genesis, if you will, of bonus depreciation. And what is bonus? Bonus depreciation is defined as anything 20 years or less, 20 years depreciable life or less, uh, which is very powerful. The funny thing about it is it was only for TIs and leasehold and new construction since 2001. It was never on acquisition uh, quote unquote use property, even spec development it was basically just last time we had a hundred percent bonus was 2010. well now since nine seventeen meaning after nine seventeen seventeen meaning September eighteenth year seventeen any properties acquired after that date they 're subject to one hundred percent bonus, so you literally get the cost irrigation benefit not just in the first five years as you did before an acquisition. But you get that loss or that benefit of of the cost irrigation study, literally uh, about 97, 98% of that uh, benefit in the first year. And you just carry those losses forward or whatever you don't chew up.
2: Wow. And and really, you know, under the new way that it's being used, that resets with each owner, right? So you have an asset... Uh, someone owns for five years. They sell it to the next owner. They begin that bonus depreciation under their own tax that, piece? Or is
0: that's that... correct. They start the depreciation all over. And it's it's important to note. I forget if it's twenty twenty two or twenty twenty four that the bonus is going to go down to an eighty to sixty or forty. But who knows what's going to happen? They may very extend it, depending on who's in the White House and who which Congress we're going to have. <laughs> <laughs> Wildcard. <laughs> yeah, which is another conversation, certainly for another time, but. Uh, you know it's very powerful. Uh, you know the, the 100% bonus, not just for new construction, but also for acquisition. I mean, um, I've got a lot, young brokers right now that are buying properties that are active in real estate as qualified real estate professionals, but IRS the standards, and they're buying real estate just to defer their taxes. And a lot of them, have, in the last couple three years, simply are not paying any uh, very little quarterlies of any. Mm -hmm. It's very powerful. So, uh, but we can also talk about down the road about cost segregation study used as an asset management tool as well.
2: Yeah, well, you know, Nick brought up earlier uh, a little bit how this is, you know, was it, is this new, uh, a new concept? Um, I would look at the converse of that because one of the things I think that investors see, uh, as a risk to investment as they look at a long-term hold asset. And as we talked about this morning a little bit earlier, you build a plan over a long-term period, right? And then one of the challenges with legislation is sometimes they'll come in and change it. And then you've got to kind of realign that. So are you seeing a lot of your clients looking at that long-term planning and really feeling confident that this isn't going to go away or this is something that's going to be around for a while?
0: Um, my guess is it's going to be around, uh, and, and this is a, a very good a historical educated guess that's going to be around for a long time and uh, we certainly didn't delve into it but um, you know the IRS has been taken to court several times since the late 80s most notable cases was Walgreens in 97 and Hospital Corporation of America they were taking the uh, the cleaners big time and then then where we everybody was waiting in the 90s and these are high, you know high mid cap companies privately and publicly held where cost irrigation was only available to the big, uh, the big, large structures and buildings. That's all changed now. But the bottom line is is that uh, it finally became part of the IRS code in 2004, even though cost irrigation studies have been performed since, well, probably since uh, the late 80s. You know, and so, and this is, and it's much more engineered focus. You get to your point on basis, which is very important. All the families I work with, uh, small, medium, and large cap uh, families, uh, at the end of the day, they tend 31 in Cossack, right until they uh, pass away. They don't care how low their basis is. Why? Because they know in their heart that when they do pass away, there's this thing called the 754 adjustment, and that's where that step up basis starts over when you inherit it. And then guess what? You start all over again. <laughs> so I'm working with kids and grandkids now after all these years. It's kind of fun.
2: Yeah. That's that yeah, a multi
1: generational strategy there. I like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, it's probably one of those things too that you could probably use cost segregation to um, pair with, you know, the new stuff around opportunity zones. We're not going to get too far into it, but I imagine like those things could go hand in hand to some. They people. certainly
0: do. Um, they certainly do. They go. They very much go hand in hand. And um, you know, I believe you've you've got to meet the improvements basis by 100% yeah. within a 30 month window. I've literally seen a half a dozen uh, seminars across the country all in person. That Opportunity Zones, you know, you wanna hear it and see it <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> several times just because, just when you think you have it down. Uh, I'll Oddly enough, I'm doing finally doing my first one in Macon, uh, they call it Macon, Macon, Georgia, uh, multifamily. And it's very powerful for the, uh, for the investor group because not only, you know, if you hold it for at least seven years, which is, very powerful, uh, deferring the gain, uh, you also can do a cost study and get it and squeeze it. And so the courtesy to my client, what I'll do, and I'll do this for all my clients going forward, is that when they make those improvements, if they don't get them all done in the first year, we'll get the original basis and we'll go ahead and do a high-quality cost aggregation study on that. And then at no cost to the client, just go ahead and give me your year-end improvements and what you've done i.e. a schedule of values or show me the work that you've done on a spreadsheet and I'll go ahead as a courtesy to the client and the tax professional we'll do a thing called PADs partial asset disposition always remember gentlemen what goes in must come out and there's value there's, there's value what goes in that dumpster that's being thrown out but you don't know what the value of that is until you have a with the original the genesis you know what, what was it valued at whether it's the roof HVAC flooring, it goes on and on. Primary, secondary, plumbing, electrical, I go on forever. So.
2: Well, and which, you know, to your point is really critical that you can uh, accelerate that and write, you know, essentially depreciate all of that in the front end because it in 2026, it, you're forced to pay the gain on that, right? So the more you can write off and lower your base within that time frame, obviously, you have the higher advantage, right? That's
0: correct. Yeah. And we, we certainly won't get indoctrinated on thing, because that would tell there'll be no more skylight left. That's true. <laughs> That's
1: true. Yeah, um, yeah no, this is great stuff. It's kind of infrequent that I get excited about, you know, stuff in the tax code. And I mean, when I heard about this from you and your presentation, I was just blown away. We're working on a large multifamily development and are definitely going to be utilizing cost seg on that. So um, we're excited about that. Now, one of the things that is another element of this, um, and again, you know, maybe this is too much into the weeds, but if you could talk a little bit about it is some of the tangible property regulations also and how they uh, play a part and all of this. Uh, maybe you can go into that a bit and just talk about that.
0: Sure, and, you know, that, and that would be another CPE course for another time, but TPRs is the acronym on that, Tangible Proper Regulations. They've been, they were temporary, I think, since 09 or 2010. They finally became final, uh, ended December of 13, retroactive, January 114. So up until 14, I believe, tax year 14, you were allowed to write off any dispositions, we're back to partial asset dispositions, but you had catch up and look back opportunities. Now that's closed down. When you look at dispositions, it's gotta be in an open tax year, meaning a tax return year that has not been filed. But getting back to tangible proper regulations, and, and that's a whole nother conversation another time, but you've got the BARS test, betterment, adaptation, restoration, betterment versus materiality. There's some expensing opportunities if you meet the criteria on the Brightline test. For in other words, uh, a very, uh, you know, a real case study, but simplified, is if you got 10 RTUs up on the roof, and if you can, if you can go ahead, when you improve the factor, you spread them out over three or four years, as opposed to replacing the whole HVAC system, 30% threshold is what they talk about. So, But you won't know what the value, here we go back to that conservation study again, yeah. you're not, not gonna know the value at the genesis, at the beginning, at time of service, what that HVAC was worth. Not the age of the building, but just at the uh, season of title. Once you know the value of that HVAC, here's the wonderful opportunity about pre and post TPR era. T- tangible private regulation era, as and you can't. And the CPA is always, can we do both? No, you can't do both. <laughs> one or the other. Uh, but you can do a partial asset disposition, or which is really the straighter, cleaner route. Or you certainly can very very well expense something that you've been forced to capitalize for generations, i.e., HVAC. So those are all structural, 1250 in nature. Uh, But once again, uh, very powerful, the cost segregation study is an asset uh, management tool.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So what we're going to do here is go to a quick break. We definitely appreciate you uh, being with us and we're going to jump into some more information about this, talk a little bit about maybe some examples, how this is relevant and really kind of shine a bright light on it, why investors uh, should get excited about it. So uh, we'll be back soon. Sleep Sound Property Management is a full-service, professional management company serving the Portland Metro and Vancouver area. We give our clients back their most valuable asset, time. By delegating your property management, you'll be able to focus on what you do best while minimizing your liability and maximizing your return. Learn how we can help at sleepsoundpm.com.
2: All right, we're back here with Jonathan Frizzell. Thank you again for joining us. We're uh, super excited. One of the things that we talked about in the first segment here was, uh, you know, the real value, the time value of money. And that's the benefit of cost segregation really isn't so much. It's kind of like a 1031 exchange. It's, it's not so much that you never pay capital gains and you avoid it, but you're pushing it off, which allows you then to utilize that in that uh, cash now for leverage. And um, to a certain extent, I think uh, cost segregation, the larger amount depreciation um, and leveraging that time value of money as opposed to just um, writing it off a single time. Can you go into a little bit of how cost segregation really is uh, maximizing the time value of money and using tomorrow's dollars today?
0: Uh, Sure, you bet. well, here's the here's the beauty about it. Uh, you can do a look back or a catch up study. It does not have to be a new acquisition, new construction, or TI's or leasehold improvements, regardless of the landlord paid for them or the tenant. So there's value any way you look at it. There's even value. Uh, my record is 54.5 percent of the depreciation was gone on an old warehouse up in Seattle, and there was still value for the client. So the truth of the matter is, even if you if you're a long term holder and you don't even sell, and if, if it's been in, if you had the property in service for half of its depreciable life, you still got another uh thirteen and a half years on the uh, multifamily or the you know the twenty-seven and a half, and you still got another almost twenty years uh, on the commercial end, why not have the dollar today? Regardless of what what are the guys and dolls do there on Pennsylvania End who are printing the money, <laughs> uh, the bottom line is that dollar is always gonna be worth today more than it ever will be tomorrow. So the nice thing about it is that you can on one's portfolio, and this includes smaller properties as well, it doesn't have to be a five, 10 million dollar building, it doesn't even have to be a million dollar building, is that if they're gonna hold their properties for at least four or five years, you can do a look back and a catch up study. The IRS calls them look backs, I call them catch ups, because that's really what it is. You're catching up on what you, the depreciation you would have gotten. And you can go ahead and get those done and then here the great news is on new acquisitions again after nine seventeen seventeen, September eighteenth, year twenty seventeen, you get this bonus opportunity, hundred percent bonus, and we're going to create that loss in the first year of acquisition, and whatever you don't use, you don't lose, and you just carry those losses forward. Well, that that, that in itself. <laughs> you're already ahead of the game already uh, right there i mean you're getting something benefit in the first year or two versus 27 and a half or 39 year i hope i answered your question yeah
2: yeah absolutely okay. i mean i just think in general uh we live in a society of immediate gratification right and i want to know what my write-offs are this year this year this year and um sometimes that's uh lost just to not knowing or understanding the concept and i think uh, you know a lot of our clients, you kind of have to break down the, the time value of money and knowing today's dollar is more uh, valuable than later, as long as you're doing what you should with it, right? Sure. Re- reinvesting it or uh, utilizing it for, for other purposes, improvements on the property and that kind of thing.
0: Absolutely. You know, the, you know cap rates, internal rate of return, interest rates, uh, and maintaining your, uh, your product, your, your real estate, and, and certainly having quality tenants. But really, at the end of the day, uh, depreciation expense and taxes is way up there. But unfortunately, it's not on the top of the as it should be because it's just not sexy enough, so.
2: (laughs) Well, and and to our conversation prior, I mean, the typical accountant may not just sit down and go through all of these and explain this to someone who accidentally uh, inherited a house, right? I mean, when mom and dad pass away and they have this single family rental they've had for 10 years because mom and dad left it in the family, They're probably not paying attention to these topics and understand how they can really maximize some of those pieces. Uh, And you know, if they normally just had a a single ten forty, and now they have another form to file, they're probably not analyzing it the same way you are, right?
0: Yeah, you bet. And we've got a program for single families as well. It's not a full blown cost segregation study. Uh, It's a modeling program, but it, it is recognized and approved by the IRS. And they can also benefit that as well, especially if they have a portfolio of single families, you bet. But the answer is yes, yes, and yes. And, and when they do inherit those properties, there's a thing called a section code 754, and that's that step-up basis that we talked about. And guess what, you start all over again. This also includes if you have change of ownerships and buying somebody out or somebody passes away within that uh, ownership, you still get to go after that number uh you always get to go after that number if it's in a long life uh sometimes we see some misclassified assets in shorter lives um but generally they're
1: in long lives so great yeah i mean the the impact on the after tax income is significant and gives you the opportunity to really just go, you know, plug that money into another project. It kind of accelerates, you know, maybe it's accelerated depreciation, but it also accelerates your investment strategy and just gives you the ability to really leverage, you know, time and money. So obviously that's what, you know, all investors are ideally looking for. Now, you know, not all people who do cost seg are really created equal. Um, everyone has different kinds of niches out there, you know, What is your ideal client? And and can you tell us a little bit about maybe geographically, you know, where you operate? Are you in kind of a specific region? Are you national? So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, I'm in all 50 states of a republic. I don't have a territory. It literally is the united states of america Free bird. i've been almost yeah, i don't know if that was in d minor or b flat but that was good though. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah in fact i'm doing one in chicago right now my first opportunity zone i'm finally doing is going to be in i want to say macon they say macon uh, georgia hawaii i'm doing one right now uh so i'm all over the place but but, you know, I'm usually in the Pacific Northwest, up and down the West Coast. I do a lot of, uh, I guess, some projects in LA too uh, as well. Um, the truth of the matter is, uh, we've even done cost segregation studies overseas, providing that they're US-owned and they're paying income taxes. And believe it or not, there is properties outside of the U.S. that are paying no. federal income tax hmm. that are U.S. owned, but that would be another conversation at a <laughs> time as well. Um, but yeah, uh, really, it's anywhere anywhere in the country. Uh, it's a for-profit entity. Again, it has to be important to note that uh, it has to be a for-profit entity. It can't be a non-profit or not-for-profit. Just a little side note, most people don't know this, but credit unions are a not-for-profit. But their real estate is held in a for profit entity. So I've worked a great deal with credit unions' properties, even though they're not for profit. So I can go after their building, and that also helps them as well.
2: So, you know, along that line, um, is cost segregation something that's important for properties that are held in a self directed IRA or 401k? Uh, is it applicable? Is it worth it?
0: Uh, the answer, that's a great question. The answer is no, no, and no. Uh, okay. Yeah, and we, you know, we, we just enjoyed that uh, conference on that this afternoon, and that that that, that would not work. Um, I do want to look at that Section Forty Two uh, multifamily that's got special attached credits. Sometimes there's there's some wiggle room there. You know it's very powerful too. Uh, not to get too far in the weeds, but the Section 179D EPAC studies, which is a whole nother program, and get up to a dollar eighty per square foot on energy efficiencies. Congress hasn't extended that into 18 and 19 yet, but uh, for the chief architect that actually designed the building for a nonprofit. If they pay for that study, they get to benefit from it, even though they're not the owners. Do you know how many architects I know that don't know that?
1: Holy moly! Oh, wow. So great. they
0: can benefit from the up to a dollar eighty per square foot for any nonprofit. Uh, Uh, projects that they're the chief architect on on the 178 EPAC study. So very powerful. And you do look back studies on those since from 05 to right up until year 17.
2: So So just to be clear, and this is a little bit of a selfish question, because I've got a property that I own um, with partners and a few of the parts. So the LLC, I own 60% of this LLC. The remaining portions are owned by uh, self-directed IRAs. Now in that situation, it's an LLC with a personal Uh, Individual who may be able to take advantage of the cost segregation, correct?
0: You know, that's a great question, and I'm going to, for federal and state uh, reasons, I'm going to go ahead and disclose that I am not a
2: a (laughs) tax professional.
0: But I will say this, this is on the record but off the record, that it's entirely possible as you as a 60% uh, may very well benefit, because I look at a lot of pension, uh, tax-free pension funds on retail, And I've looked at a bunch of them, and a lot of my clients are a nickel or fifteen, twelve, ten percent interest, and these are big projects. And if I make it cost effective for them, they still benefit from it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call that a hard maybe and a soft yes. (laughs) Well, yeah.
2: Somehow the operating agreement says I can take all. Tax advantages, so it, it may be important for me to figure well, it out. Know, I'll see what I can do. Uh,
0: yeah, you know, it's, I got some clients, and their bylaws going forward, when they're working with not-for-profit or tax-free or whatever entities, that they do get to benefit from the uh, depreciation expense. It's something to consider because after all, they're not using it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, you know, a lot of people who think about using cost segregation think, well, how much can I really save? I mean, I'm going to save it at some point anyway. If I'm going to keep the property for 10 years, maybe I want to, s- to spread it out. What What would you say, is there a, a way to quantify in the mind of someone kind of cons- taking a look at this cost segregation versus not if I'm going to hold the asset for 10 years? Um, how would you quantify that? You know,
0: it's a great question, and, and there's, not, there's not one um, uh, answer that fits it all. But uh, the truth of the matter is it depends on when it was placed in service, product type, and how big the basis was. So um, my record, again, is 54.5%. It's an old warehouse. By the way, it was on the old 31.5-year schedule. This is pre-'94. And there was still value for the patriarch of the family, um, in fact, Schwartz Brothers Bakeries, and this is the tenant in that old warehouse. So, um, to answer your question, usually when you get past a third or 40% of the actual original depreciation, not, not the improvement since the, uh, you bought it, usually you start going the other way. But if you come up with a big enough basis, though, to start, and half the depreciation is gone, I still want to look at it. The good news with the the cost segregation group of CBR, myself, my engineers, and our staff, is we're gonna go ahead and quantify and qualify that at no cost obligation and look at the entire portfolio. And I can look look just by my my naked eye, look at the federal tax depreciation schedule and I can know with certainty whether there's value or not, just by looking at the schedule. And that way I respect the controller and the CPA's time, the CFO or the in-house accountant, and, and the burden is on us to do the work up front to, to qualify. So what I try to encourage my CPAs, and enrolled agent friends, you know, please don't spend time pre-qualifying where you think there might be value. We'll sign a non-disclosure, or a CA, and then we'll go ahead and go through the hundreds of schedules there is, and we'll go ahead and let you know which ones have value. To answer your question, uh, the, the, the myth is out there that after five, seven years, there's no v- service, there's no value, and that, 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 that's not true. That's actually a myth. So uh, I would say after 35, 40% of the depreciation, depending on the basis, you start going the other way quickly. But the way I I operate is I like to look at all the crumbs on the table so when I get done, there's a nice baguette and a nice cookie. Because the low-hanging fruit, that's real easy. When you have a $9 million, $10 million new construction multifamily, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit there. But you still got to perform and do a high-quality study. It's the real work. Oftentimes, even though it's all work <laughs> is, you know, that trying to squeeze out that, just, a, you know, that, that turn up, you know, just trying to, and you can, you can do it. You just got to have the will.
2: Yeah. You know? what, what's the, um, I don't know if it would be an average necessarily, but what, what's the cost of, of, a cost segregation study if someone comes yeah, to you?
0: That's a great question. And you know, somebody, and I, and I want to answer your question. I didn't answer that other one. Uh, Count on 7 to 10 percent of the basis. It's all dependent on the federal and state combination thereof, uh, income tax bracket, product type, what type the basis is. And you can go as low as 6 or 5, but 7 to 10, so for 70 to 100K for every million dollar basis, or 7 to 10,000 for every $100,000 basis. I wanted to answer that question Perfect. beforehand. Well,
2: that, that actually, th- that's great, because that really was, was the point. I, I got distracted by listening well, to I, the other I can't
0: believe I reeled that back in. So, so the, the <laughs> current question was the cost. Um, great question. Um, it, it's a lot of times it's, uh, it's predicated, well not a lot of times, it's predicated every time on scope. We, uh, we don't charge, um, I can only speak for the cost Segregation cost group of CBRE, we don't, and we try not to charge on estimated savings because the IRS frowns on that. Now, the big four or five, they do it all day long. Uh, they're, 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 you know, it is what it is. Um, but to answer your question, um, if I've got an acquisition and I've got 23 buildings, multifamily, and they're all different, and it's a $40 million basis, um, sure, some of the floor plans are going to be the same, but there's different sizes of the buildings. And uh, the bottom line is that's going to be some work. A medical building the same, uh, much much more labor-intensive. Veterinary clinics. By the way, did you know that the highest percentage of ownership in professional services? No, it's not doctors and dentists veterinarians that's hmm. a true story hmm. Wow Just interesting. On that yeah so I do and I do a ton of them by the way um, so to answer your question generally anywhere from five to ten thousand uh, dollars I certainly go lower than five um, certainly won't mention any uh, names here but there's a family in Eugene Oregon uh, out of courtesy for the referral out of the Oregon CCM chapter um, we made it cost effective to look at stuff that was 20 years in service with half the basis gone and wasn't much basis to start and it was a hodgepodge of different properties we just put three hundred thousand dollars in his pocket last week his family's trust and we're looking at a little 77 units in oregon city right now which i'll be sending that out tonight to him and i'm going to create I'm going to create another half million dollars loss. And it's already been in service since 04. And it started out with a $3.6 million basis. So there's a great, there's a good case study right there. You've got a $3.6 million basis, multifamily, 77 units. It's been in service since 04. You got, what, what do you got there? You got 14, 15 years. 15 years, years yeah. yeah. So you're only at 50%. But we started at 3.6. We only got one, 8 he He's got another three or 400000 in improvements. We'll take a look at them. I know I can get some bonus opportunities in previous years. By the way, I mean we can go on forever. You this, you can go back and do bonus in previous years as long as you didn't let out. So you can go back into previous years in bonus and bonus and go back and capture that. So that's important to note. But the bottom line is, is that uh, we worked the numbers. I went on Google, uh, went up in the sky, took a look at the building. Uh, I submitted my analysis to engineers. They came back and propo- I got the EO, the estimate of benefits proposal back. And I'm creating a 40% effective combined federal and state tax rate. I'm going to put over conservatively, I know with certainty, I'm going to put $200,000 in his pockets and we're going to get her done for this extended tax year in 18.
1: Wow. That's wild. And I'm going to
0: get that done for him at a very, uh, a very affordable price. Uh, you know, I'll get that done for him for. You know, five thousand, even le- a little less than five thousand, just wow. because yeah. he's an existing client and um, yeah. we've already done a bunch of work for him.
1: And that's just a lot of value creation. I mean, how many people get to create that much value for their clients? Right, putting that kind of money in their pocket it just blows me away. Blows me away. And,
0: and, and what we'll do also at no cost to the client, we'll uh, create the the thing called the forty one a adjustment. So the uh, CPA or the enrolled agent, the tax professional doesn't have to screw around with that calculation and then try to figure out how they're going to bill their client, the owner. Uh, We'll go ahead and just calculate it for them. What is that calculation? That's a calculation like, for instance, if you're on extension for 18, it's the 41A of what you would have gotten in depreciation beforehand. And it goes on to 17, and you carry it to 18. That's where the nut is, where the value is. And you take that at 40%, and there's your dollars yeah. And so it's very powerful. Yeah, I, I, it blows my mind. There's, I don't know if you're going to pose the question, but there's only about 10%, 11% high, medium, small cap companies, private and publicly, that are doing this. I don't know why there's not more. It blows my mind. Yeah. Well, Hopefully well, I mean, people it, learn a lot more.
2: Yeah. I mean, from the outside, I think people um, just see the, the term alone and they're a little bit intimidated, and they think their accountants got it, and that's a job typically that, that uh, investors and folks push off to bookkeepers and CPAs, and they do the, the baseline, because they got 60 tax returns to get out by the deadline. And I mean, I think that that's part of it uh, for some of our client base.
0: You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I remember cold calling as a much younger and thinner man, uh, <laughs> back in '06. And, you know, I remember co-calling, and that's, that's what you did. And, and, of course, I was terrible at it, hated it. Uh, but, you know, cost irrigation, what? You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And so, yeah, you're basically segregating components. Yeah. And, and by the way, for the record, IRS doesn't say components anymore. It's units of property is the terminology they use. So that's another thing, too. Uh, whether it's a single-family, multifamily, uh, classy commercial, I don't know five million, ten million, one million everybody, uh, all my clients I negotiated scope with CBRE, the Cosec group, uh, they get expanded detail on 1250, which is the section, the real structural part, which could be the fire suppression, the roof, the building envelope, the HVAC they 're going to get beautiful, gorgeous detail on the personal side the 1245 is worth the value, and of course the 15. You'll get some assemblies on the on the 1250s. So when you do replace something, I'm filling the toolbox of the of the owner's tax professionals pockets. So then going forward when they improve those properties, they're gonna know what the value of that is. And by the way, if they don't know how, or they can't look it up, or if they're too busy, or they just simply want us to do it, if they're an existing client, we're continuing to do studies for them. Uh, I will be happy to take a look at that at no cost to them and at year end, and then they can go ahead and get those double assets before they're double assets on the books very powerful yeah asset
1: management tool so I mean is this study how long does it typically take to do a cost segregation study i mean is I mean obviously buildings vary in size and everything like that, but I mean what do people what can people expect
0: uh, you know I, i'm so CBRE is a huge company as we all know publicly uh, held uh, I am so grateful our division. The Cosset Group, um, our team is just really uh, executing well. Usually we can get her done in four weeks from uh, engagement. My previous company, it was uh, four to six weeks from the time of the on site visit. Well, I, 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 I've doubled my time with this current company, and I'm, I'm just so pleased to be a, a member of their team. So four, usually four weeks from engagement, you have to always remember though, you're only as good as the client, uh, and sometimes the CPA, but usually it's the <laughs> client. I wanna protect our tax professional friends. You gotta get that documentation. And I need to know if there's no blue uh, blueprints or drawings, cause then there's a thing called re- Reverse engineering which you don't have any time to talk about this <laughs> afternoon but but yeah you want to you want to uh, you want to get her done like for instance when I submit this proposal for this 77 units in Oregon City uh, tonight uh, I've already got something in the hopper uh, in fact it was a member of uh, the Oregon CCM chapter today I'm doing some retail in Nyberg uh, retail center so I'd like to get that done uh, it's all about you know, maximizing you know, the, the yep. engineer's time. So uh, to answer your question, I won't tell you what my record is, because then I'll be quoted. But, uh, well, actually, I will. Uh, about nine years ago, eight years ago, last-minute client, we all know who they are, and um, I got that study done, I think, in um, about 120 hours. Oh, wow. uh and i i'd rather not go through that it ages you yeah uh, <laughs> um, you know, but you usually
1: got, got for- a big bottle of wine from
0: that at least yeah or, or a, yeah a, a wide mouth jar of valium and a, a <laughs> case of vodka would be closer to the uh, uh, nice. that, that probably is certainly appropriate at that point yeah you know, sleep for five days after that you know it's important that you uh documentation documentation and then you know if you don't have it it's okay, just let us know, because then we know what we're really up against. Uh, we can still, there's other ways to skin the cat. It's more difficult at times if you don't have an appraisal or if you don't have any blueprints or drawings or a, even an Alta uh, map or a site map, but you want to you, you wanna know that up on the upfront. So, you know, like, like, like in both of your books of business, uh, you're only as good as your client. We try to be the best we can be, but three or four weeks, you know, last this last tax season was pretty busy, Yeah, you know, four and a half, five weeks. In 12 and a half years, I've never been once late for a deadline.
1: So, it's oh, yeah.
2: impressive. That's an accomplishment. I cannot say that
1: personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very impressive. Uh, I mean, just, I guess kind of one of the questions, I mean, you've talked about involving engineers in this process, going on site. I mean, is this an invasive study i mean is it something where people have to worry about their buildings you guys can tear them apart are you just going and doing a visual look uh great question um part of our my
0: success as well as the cossack group of of cpre is that we want to seek the permission and the privilege not the right (laughs) Uh, and of course 24 to 48 hour notice depending what state of the union state of the republic you're in uh to give notice to the tenant we're going to go in there And I've done a lot of Pentagon vendors, and Mm -hmm. that's a whole other conversation, uh, trying to get in there. uh, Very difficult at times. Um, This includes government tenants too. uh, FBI uh, spaces, USDA uh, uh, fraud uh, prevention with the US Army. There's all kinds of different agencies out there that are tenants. So we try to be very respectful because a happy tenant is a happy property manager as a happy landlord so we try to give enough notice and we try to be real clear on on what what our purpose is there we're just there to do an on-site and we're gonna try to get in as quickly so we're gonna go in as quickly and come out as quickly as we can you know with multifamily you don't need to see uh, more than just one type of unit uh, per project and so, if you got a studio, one bedroom, and two, and a three, and if there might be a if there's significant variation of those four, we may want to look at it. But then you got to go after the common grounds, the pool, the cabana, what have you, the mechanical rooms. Um, now, commercial, different animal. Uh, you know, it's, it's not in the um, it's not in the U.S. Constitution, but not all tenant spaces are created equal within retail. So, if you want to do things right, and not cut corners and we're the former not the latter on that <laughs> uh, you want to go into each little space because you know the the dentist and the chiropractor is gonna be a lot different than the nail shop then you've got this brewery over here this restaurant uh, brewery over here lots of uh, that's a whole different animal so it's important that you look at each uh, space as a separate unit of property multifamily a little different you just want to look at each type unit Yep,
1: yeah, makes sense Great, great. So basically, I mean if there's an investor, you know, listening that wants to use the service and they're not sure if it applies to them, I mean what question should they ask? Is this, you know, applied to a certain audience? You know, obviously there's some short-term investors. Would you consider a being valuable to them or is it long term? I mean, who who do you think really is the audience for this?
0: Well, you know, Deloitte's a little more aggressive. They always say they've been saying three years to hold. I tend to be more conservative, four to five. I've got one investor in Pacific Palisades, down in California, and he costs X in 1031s every couple years. Uh, he squeezes it 1031 yeah. and keeps moving forward. Um, but most of their tax professionals will suggest you want to hold on for four or five, six years, and then of course you have a lot of families, investors that are just long-term holders. Period. So if you're going to sell tomorrow, uh, especially if you're not doing a 1031. Uh, There's no value. Little or no value.
2: Yeah. So you're saying five to
0: six, seven. Five to six. I'd say, you know, in my my 12 and a half, 13 years of doing this, I think four to five years uh, still makes sense. Even if you're not doing it 1031. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, Well, it's been... I have some, again, some selfish questions. I mean, like I said, I bought that uh, mobile home park. It'd be very interesting to see when you're stabilizing a mobile home park because you're buying entire houses and you're paying for the mover to move them. You're paying for the power to come into the community, which is, uh, you know, part of the function of the entire community. And then you move an entire house in that you paid, you know, somewhere between 25 and $60,000 and then you lease it up. So some of those you sell too. Is that a good candidate, since we're talking a little bit about, you know, all the different product types, uh, is that a good candidate for cost segregation?
0: gosh you know great question and i should introduce you i i have to get you down here uh, again providing that i can get on time to the uh, to the next <laughs> morning that's going to carry. i'm not even catholic but that's going to carry me in shame and guilt all the way back up to see Oh, we forgive you just I, this once I, well, but i tell you it was hard to get out of my home office this morning but mark gilsley the, the per- current president of Oregon CCI chapter is uh, very involved in trailer uh, home uh, parks and RV parks. And they've been, a, they've been a great introduction, by the way. And I'll make, on record, I will, I will make that commitment to introduce you to. Uh, to answer your question, it all, it, uh, with the risk of sounding like a JD, uh, it depends <laughs> okay. uh, because uh, I've, done a lot of, I've done a lot of RV parks because they've got those pads uh, and they've got those hookups Those 50, 40, 30, 20 app hookups, Mm -hmm. and they got the water and they got the sewer, they got the electrical and the cable. Mobile home parks, I have done a few of those. I'd have to look at, uh, first things first, the federal tax depreciation schedule, the physical address, and then I'd have a a very brief conversation with the owner to know exactly what that Schedule represents and who owns those traders or owns those homes do you or the tenants? And then of course I'd ask some other questions about hookups Uh, How are they hooked up are they on pads or is there individual hookup or is it a main hookup or what does that look like? Uh, But there's value. Uh, I see a lot of cross-pollination interesting enough early in my career with trader home parts with self-storage owners and believe it or not long-term care Hmm. Uh, senior living, but a lot of people that made their money in the '70s and '60s and '80s, you know, you can imagine what the what the what, what they did there. They're in self storage today, and uh, so that's it's fascinating. It's, it's any kind of product type.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it sounds like I. I need to just call you and have you analyze my stuff. And a lot of our audience needs to do that too. I know that we've we've had a good time learning a lot today. Really appreciate your time and, and the actual topic. Well, I want to roll into getting to know you a little bit. So we got some questions that we're going to ask you. And This is a little lighter, but might stress you out more. Who knows? We'll, we'll find out. So the first question that we would have is, you know, is there an aha moment that you've had, you know, maybe in the past year or so that's just changed the way you thought about things, whether that be in business or personal life, but just an aha moment that just, you know, was a click for you and just, completely uh changed who you wanted to be or what you were doing or your your drive or passion for something
0: wow it's too bad i didn't hear that question before
2: do you, do you need a shot of whiskey for this <laughs> right, how deep are we gonna where get?
0: i come from that's usually a four-finger <clears throat> pour so uh, <laughs> can arrange that. you know um that's a great question you know i, I work all the time so i'm You know i identify my my life and my my esteem and my image of myself through my works i really enjoy what i do i love what i do i always have throughout my adult life um but i'll tell you you know i hung my own shingle for four or five months before uh cbre at the Cossack group mr rader uh who i report to matt rader uh finally got me after all these years (laughs) and uh you know, you just don't know uh, what you don't know in partnerships. And that was really a huge uh, moment for me, frankly. Uh, you know, I co-produced with an individual for 10 years. We competed with each other in two different companies. But after me for a year and a half, two years, to open up our own shop. We had the engineering piece and the legal piece. And we went into business together and, you know, uh, that was an aha moment. You don't know what you don't know even if you've known somebody for 10 years. The good news uh, behind that is is that I got through it and, uh, and then all of a sudden I had a recruit out of Austin, Texas who's been calling on me for almost 10 years trying to place me and he made the introduction of somebody I already knew in the society that we belong to which is the American Society of Customer Engagement Professionals and he thought it would be a good fit. He talked about it years ago The next day hour and 17 minutes later we agreed in principle on everything even though it took 11 weeks for me to to finally be hired because I was an unbudgeted hire but it was an aha moment that uh just when you think you know somebody in life and you trust them sometimes you just don't know what you don't know until you go into business with someone and uh Try to skip that as PG as I could. <laughs> I thought I did a pretty good job. Yeah,
1: no, I, th- I think you did. I mean, it's business partnerships or, you know, kind of like marriages. I mean, I, I've had a business partner before in the past, and, I mean, it's whole new Ball of wax. Although I haven't been married, so maybe I'd, maybe it's not. A good well, that, that's for a that's a whole use, new but ball but of something too. So,
0: that so. might be a that might be a different different podcast.
2: Actually, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. but you know, when you have the cortisol and putting on some weight, and being angry, yeah, uh, and being frustrated, and, and then there's some fear in there as well. And when you find you're the only one producing and you're only paying the bills, and at the same time you're you're reviewing product studies out there, that makes for an interesting condition. And uh, you know. To me, uh, I still work 60 hours plus a week. I'm over 3,000 hours a year, easily, um, year in and year out. Um, and uh, I must say that I don't feel like I'm on vacation, but uh, my step is certainly. Um, It's a lot lighter than it was last summer and last fall, that's for sure.
2: Well, you know, when you find the right team and you get in the right groove and you're able to do your highest and best skill set, you know, what are you the best at? You know, you get rid of all the things that you don't have to do. You get rid of the stress of the things you don't want to do and you kind of get over that hump. Um, That's a really great feeling. You know, Nick and I were in a strategic partnership for several years, and it worked out really well. You know, we had a, a good, slow uh, courtship in the beginning. Uh, we had a great relationship uh, that was really symbiotic, but a lot of that was because we kept things very separate, right, where he was accountable to him and I was accountable to me, and at the end, we had some shared assets, some shared employees, uh, but we be, being on our own, we had an opportunity to really bounce ideas off of each other and collaborate on projects. And I had a lot of experience in real estate he had a, he had a lot of experience in, in investing. We we had a, a really great relationship. And when it came time, um, because we didn't combine everything that was a little easier, uh, you know, to separate. Yeah,
0: you know, that's an interest. That's an interesting point. Um, I, you know, some of us, I think we're all alpha males. I'm, I'm in fact, I'm sure of it. All three of us here, um, you know, you know, I'll be, I'll be turning 58 in August, and I'm gonna go, you know, is stuck with me well into my 70s. I think they know that now. <laughs> I'm not sure, I don't know if they feel good about it or not, but I think they do, but um, I must say that um, it's, okay, it's okay to be still and to really uh, shut up and just listen. I preach about this to my, uh, to my recruiters with clients, but we forget about our team members. Uh, and our account managers, project coordinators, uh, uh, engineers. Uh, you know, if they call me, how about if I listen first before I tell them what I need? Or just little basic things, you know. But I find that um, it's so interesting. Uh, we have a wonderful group at the Costa group at CBRE. They're all very sharp. And I, I find it fascinating. This is my third company in 12 and a half years, excluding my little virtual shingle of four or five months. Uh, but you, know, you put 12 engineers in one room and 12 ex-wives in another, I promise you, you're gonna have 24 different opinions. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable uh, the way they look at a building. I saw that with the other company I was with, uh, a little bit, uh, actually a lot. But this, this, they have a whole way of looking at buildings, so it's fascinating. I'm always learning. They say that I'm the most numbers-driven salesperson they've ever in <laughs> cost-sag, because and I, and I am numbers-driven. But, you know, it's amazing how they look at buildings and still stay within the audit techniques guide at the IRS.
1: Yeah. So, so my next question here is going to be, again, we're getting, we're getting personal here on these questions, is tell us a little bit about a, an important ritual that you have and do every day.
0: I get up early every morning, no matter what. How early? Uh, anywhere, from, um, anywhere from 4.07 <laughs> until 5.32. All
1: right. That's early. That's that better. qualifies. Even.
0: When I was your age, I was getting home at 4.07. <laughs> <laughs> <in the morning. laughs>
2: Things have changed a little bit. So you had dinner at 4. Is that what you're <laughs> <word? laughs> <laughs> That was good. Very nice. Uh,
0: <laughs> but, you know, getting up early in the morning. Yeah, you know, that's great. Um, you know I often take pictures of my I have a little shack on the water in Olympic Peninsula I live across the water from Seattle and uh, literally it's it's less than a thousand square feet and I'll take a picture at the budding sunrise I'll start doing that I look forward to that in the spring and summer I may post it on Facebook I may not but I just really enjoy getting up early because I got East Coast clients yeah and I'm on the horn after that pot of coffee I'm just I'm already uh, raring to to go. It's one of the seven reasons why I was, you know, and it wasn't on time today uh, (laughs) at the at the CCM luncheon.
1: All right. Well, all right. Our other question here is going to be: How do you measure success? By um,
0: by return uh, return repeat business, and also uh, referrals. And I also measure success. I've got one patriarch, one individual, sharp as, a, uh, as ever. Uh, and he's always pushing the envelope on the current IRS code with me to keep not only himself sharp, but he wants to always know what I know, what I don't know. And I always answer his questions. Uh, and I, and I, I feel like I'm always gonna get his work, and, and I do. But for some reason, I always find myself working for it every time to earn it. And I, I measure that success because not everything is given to us in life. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I would like to get to a place where it's a little bit more transactional in nature. But then I think I might be bored. Mm-hmm. And uh, so maybe I, don't, I really don't want that. My ego would like that because maybe I'll <laughs> live longer but but I probably wouldn't want that I would get bored so there's always there's a lot of due diligence and discovery in what we do uh, I mean it, it's not just a matter of pushing a few buttons so I measure success by repeat business referrals and uh, having the privilege to present and do CPE courses for CPAs up and down the west coast as I do and um, having people uh, ask me to be a panelist or present uh, to their group, whatever group it is. Um, so I, that's, I guess that's the, that's the long answer.
2: That, that's great. Uh, so, if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Wow. <sighs> um, I, know, I know we haven't known each other that that long, but feel free. I mean, yeah. I'll have dinner with you.
0: <laughs> uh, it's got to be one person only, correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is probably going to surprise. Uh, it'd probably be uh, the late Barry Goldwater.
1: Hmm. All right. Texas. Uh, Arizona. Oh,
2: damn.
1: <laughs> How embarrassing. <laughs> yeah.
2: So what, what's the significant piece of that? That's right. Uh, background he
0: was it. not bought by anybody uh, or sold. And uh, he was his own man and his own statesman. Probably the most misunderstood uh, political figure in our in our time, and uh, he was a, he was incredibly principled. Um, I have some clients like that. I mean, unwavering. I mean, t- to no end. And I you know I, I want to say quietly, I don't think we can say that about today um, on on, the, on our other side of the aisle. But I just you know I saw his uh, documentary by his granddaughter, Cece Goldwater, director and writer. HBO uh, bought the, uh, was the original producer, sold it to Zeitgeist Films. It's a great documentary, Goldwater on Goldwater, and it really talks about his life, and it's incredible just who he was. And what would I give to have, a, uh, to have dinner and have a cigar with that man? Yeah, He was Marine, uh, Marine, uh, Marine Air Corps. I mean, hell, he was flying jets up until he was about in his 80s, Jeez. Uh made a lot of people nervous, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but just, uh, just uh, I love, uh, of either gender, of any age or any background, there's nothing more that I enjoy than highly principled individuals. With unwavering wins, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it gets me a little excited.
2: Great. Yeah, I mean, those. It's really interesting to find out what you don't know about individuals. You think you know them, or you've heard their name, Rockefeller, right? The men who built America. The mini series, the documentary series that they did. I think it's A and E. It might be the History Channel. But I, I watched all of those, and just to see the intertwining of men with such uh, drive and desire in a time so different from ours uh you know with vanderbilt and rockefeller and jp morgan all those guys are combined within this uh edison i mean all those guys Mm -hmm. within a time frame that built america in a very physical way not like we have it now so that's really interesting
0: you know you're 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 absolutely right um and you know um Boy, that's a whole nother podcast, man. <laughs> totally different, <laughs> totally different Yeah, yeah.
2: That's episode <laughs> six.
1: <laughs> which kind of leads us into our, our, I guess, our next question, which is whiskey or wine?
0: Well, uh, you know, I was in the hospitality industry for 27 years. Uh, so, uh, you know, i moved with the Italians uh, most of my adult life, and they've got their aperitivos, then they go into the Bianco, and then they go to Rosso. Before you know it, uh, you're into the Ports and the uh, Stilton, blue cheese, and the figs, mm-hmm. and all the cheeses afterwards. So um, it seems like you know everything is up in air now. Vodka, summer rye versus winter uh, potato versus summer wheat, mm-hmm. and then you've got the whiskeys, bourbon versus scotch. So it, it could be anything, you know. These days. Uh, uh, you know I, I run it uh, pretty run it pretty clean so just a bottle of mineral water so is, is go. For me. that's fair there we
2: go that's fair that'll keep you focused.
1: Well Jonathan right. we just want to you know we want to thank you for coming in today um, How can our audience get a hold of you They can call me anytime uh, uh, at, at my
0: direct mobile my direct phone number is area code 206 uh, 399-7769 that's area code 20639977 7769 and they're welcome to reach out to me via email. Uh, I'll do this twice. Uh, Jonathan.Frizzell at CBRE.com. That's first uh, dot last name at CBRE.com. J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N dot F Frank, R s and I double zebra, E-L-L at CBRE.com. So that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N dot F-R-I-Z-Z. That's zebras. He is an Eduardo LL at CBRE.com. Boy, that
1: nearly wore me out. So yeah. But <laughs> we'll nobody, get into the show notes and make sure it's in right. Nobody ever gets my get.
0: last name right, uh, <laughs> and I, or the first name for that matter. My mother was crazy about Jonathan Winners, so that's mm. who I was named after in, in the late 50s
1: nice right.
2: good story well thanks very much for joining us man what a, what a great episode I'm, I'm gonna have to listen to this a couple times and i'm sure i'll put my wife to sleep with it this this type of stuff does put her to sleep but uh <laughs> not not me so I, I really appreciate it gentlemen it was a privilege thanks very much thank you thank you you bet
1: and that is jonathan frizell the senior director of cost segregation at cbre And that wraps up another episode of Invest in the West. I'm Nick Cook, along with Matt Williams, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast and pay attention for new episodes.